Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. At this point, most shows are winding down. Roy is just getting started. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. There's a story that's uh, been talked about globally, and that's the story of uh, the shootings that have been taking place in the city of Chicago. And uh, we have a segment tomorrow on that, the shootings and the deaths in in Chicago. And it has a Canadian angle as well. Uh, You will not want to miss this. This is just a – what's been going on in Chicago is terrifying. Uh, how it's being approached by one individual and his organization, a doctor, and his organization is is incredible. And as I said, there's a Canadian angle, so we'll have that for you tomorrow, among other, other segments. Later on in the hour, it's Catherine, Michelle, and Linda, and me, Beauties and the Beast. Uh, first one for 2017. Now, this is serious business. Very serious. Following the, uh, the apparent murder, murders and, and suicide of military veteran Lionel Desmond and his wife, daughter, and mother in Alberta. As uh, um, Lionel Desmond struggled with PTSD following a deployment to Afghanistan, where I understand where I read there was constant firefights in the last three months that he was there, we're joined by two former and one current member of Canada's military. Uh, One former and uh, the current CAF member are being treated abysmally by the military brass and the federal government. The former CAF member uh, struggling with PTSD and uh, abandoned by the uh, Forces and Veterans Affairs Canada. And you'll, you'll hear his story in more detail in just a moment. But I just want to say this. This, this, this struck me so uh, directly. He wandered this country for two years, moving 17 times, seeking help. And the current CAF member... Well, let's hear about uh, about both of them. You'll hear both of them in a moment, but let's hear about them first from Sergeant Major Retired Barry Westholm. Uh, you've heard Barry on this program many times. He defends and works with military veterans and current members of the forces battling PTSD. Um, he's a former member of the Airborne, and uh, he was the chief non-commissioned officer at the Joint Personnel Service Unit where... They're supposed to deliver help to soldiers in need. And Barry gave up his 30-plus year military career, resigned from the military over what he saw at the JPSU in eastern Ontario. Barry, always great talking to you. Um, I, I wish the stories were were more encouraging, but they need to be told because we're talking about lives of people who defend this country, defend our way of life, and are ready to risk and, and, and give up their lives for that ideal. And that includes you. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, hi, Roy, and I agree with what you're saying. Uh, you know, I appreciate being on your show, but I really wish I didn't have to be on your show. But the circumstances, they don't seem to be changing. And and, and here we are, and, and now we're facing this tragedy. It's a national tragedy right? Um, right. in Nova Scotia. Yes, now, sir. to get right, right to this, uh, I don't know if the situation in Nova Scotia could have been avoided. That's almost impossible to say. But I do know that the system designed to support transitioning families is broken and has been since 2009 or 10. This is not information that's unknown to the government, Veterans Affairs Canada, and the Canadian Forces. They all know the transitional system was failing in 2010, and they have yet to address it. Although 
they have always had the ability and the means to do so. Now, uh, the Desmond family should have been afforded a strong one-on-one connection to the Canadian Armed Forces and Veterans Affairs Canada through the Joint Personnel Support Unit during and after the transition. And looking at the staffing model for Nova Scotia, something which I just found out today is four years out of date and inaccurate, um, I found it impossible for the JPSU to cover their area of responsibility of nearly half a million square kilometres with really only about a half a dozen staff members. This stated, the support, if any, available to the Desmond family was minimal in the extreme. So now the question becomes, why wasn't the mandated support in place uh, for the Desmonds since everybody knew that it was lacking? And why would this have had to happen if it was in place? Those are the questions only the Chief of Defence Staff can answer, and answer them he should. Now, to the guests on your show, um, they've made it through uh, the Joint Personnel Support Unit uh, just barely. Uh, your first guest was ejected from the JPSU in a psychotic state, totally unsupported and in crisis. As you mentioned, he wandered the country for two years and is now working to get his life back together. Uh, he has a challenging story, as the benefits he would have normally been afforded but couldn't use on release, time expired. In supporting his case to get them back, I've used an example of a soldier being in a coma who wakes up one day to find that his benefits expired because he couldn't use them. This is the exact thing that faces your first guest. Uh, this is unacceptable, and uh, this particular person has been fighting with tenacity, still injured inch by inch, to take advantage of the benefits so he can move on with his life. Uh, to add insult to injury, the JPSU applied remedial measures on him, an administration tool, totally out of context of what they're supposed to be used for, and in a punitive manner. That is to say, they were punishing him with this thing. He's been trying to get those documents removed from his file, as any person would, I would. And in response, the latest commanding officer, Brigadier General, denied his request in the name of military protocol. Your second guest is still in the CAF, and also in the Joint Personnel Support Unit, and I, I admire her bravery for coming on the air. Uh, this person has been on the receiving end of the JPSU system with some extremely serious injuries. She has had an extremely tough time getting support while in the JPSU, where she remains, and most recently, just before Christmas, her family was informed by the JPSU that their extension request to remain in her military quarters was denied, and she would have to vacate by the end of January upon her release. This essentially would put a family out into the cold, because we know that the benefits that come to them are sometimes delayed by months. So this is what these people have to put up with. That's what she has to put up with. And the Canadian forces, however, have since uh, reversed that decision after external pressure was uh, applied to them. But again, the question must be asked, why is the JPSU treating injured soldiers like that? Yeah, and Barry, and, Barry just before you introduce them, yep. um, remedial measures, that's when, uh, when, when commanding officers or officers uh, determine or decide, not determine, but decide that a member of, uh, in this case, the Navy, uh, has not lived up to something or other that they believe they should live up to. Could be the your haircut. Who knows? Could be, yeah. Could be your haircut, quite literally. And that can trail you around for the rest of your life and affect you for the rest of your life. Well, it sure can. And they're not designed for people that are leaving the military. They're designed for somebody that's starting out their career in the military or has a long career in the military to go, and they're making um, some bad decisions with their career. Remedial measures bring them back into line, and, and they're quite so serious. Uh, the ultimate remedial measure is dismissal from the Canadian forces, which this person was threatened with while he was in the JPSU and while he was injured. Okay, let me take a quick break, Barry, and yeah, then, sure. we'll, then we'll meet uh, our guests who you arranged to be on this program with us today, and I'm looking forward to 
hearing from them and, and speaking with them. Uh, stick around. We'll come right back on The Roy Green Show. Have a comment about today's show? Visit RoyGreenShow.com. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Let me get back to uh, Sergeant Major Barry Westholm, retired. And uh, Barry, uh, you've told us a bit about about uh, our guests. Uh, would you introduce uh, them to us and us to them, please? Yeah, sure. Great. Uh, I will, Roy. Uh, what I'll do is I'll just uh, let them introduce themselves. Uh, sure. With that, I'll turn the uh, the mic over to uh, um, British Columbia, and uh, I'll, I'll let this thing get going. Okay. So, who's in BC? Uh, hello there, uh, Roy. How are you? Uh, Greg Swetkowski here, leading seaman retired. Yes, sir. Uh, pleased to t- pleased to meet you over the phone, and uh, and and thanks for your service, Greg. Thank you. What can you tell us about What can you tell us about your situation? Uh, well, first I would like to take a moment of time to sort of acknowledge and and maybe honor uh, and grieve the situation what developed in, uh, in in Nova Scotia, the tragedy there, the murder suicide. Uh, I'm 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 sad to say I'm I'm not surprised by this. Uh, in, in previous conversations with Barry, I think we've seen that coming. It was just a matter of time that there will be blood spilled. Uh, the situation across the country from coast to coast is, is catastrophic right now. People who are still serving and are suffering from uh, mental illnesses, PTSD, operational stress, injury, etc. People who are released are struggling and waiting uh, for access to, uh, to benefit and support. Uh, we see an uh, alarming level of indifference on all levels of government. And uh, in, in my personal situation, we just culminated what Barry mentioned. Uh, <clears throat> I started feeling, uh, I participated into uh, kind of a pre-key uh, PTSD programs recently, back to back, one in November, one in December. And uh, I realized with the clarity how poorly I was treated by the unit that I belong to in Halifax, the GPU IPC organization. Uh, so I requested uh, that some of the remedial measures I was subjected to, I was basically called an administrative burden uh, because I fought hard to keep my career. And then when I realized I will not save the career to at least uh, try to uh, get to a point, uh, 10 years of, of the service that was the key to provide me with the, uh, you know, the reduced uh, annuity and the medical uh, coverage for my dependents. And uh, I was supposed to be originally released three months prior to the 10-year anniversary. When I, when I learned of that fact, I put all these stops, and I ended up pushing pretty hard. You know, I was also really sick at that time and over-medicated. So uh, some of my uh, emails and attempts to stay in the military a little bit longer got out of control and included uh, emailing chief of defense staff directly. All the people organization along the way knew that I was really sick and my behavior was uh, erratic and unpredictable and uh, nothing was done. I was abandoned by the case manager. Uh, at one point, I was not allowed at the uh, base hospital. I was treated more like a security threat than uh, somebody who needs medical attention. And uh, for I'm still here to speak to you today. And uh, Desmond's family is gone. And it really breaks my heart that this happened. And I carry a tremendous amount of guilt that, you know, maybe if I had dealt with my PTSD sooner or, uh, you know, were more vocal, done more, 
more visible, I could have uh, helped this man. You know, if I had a chance to have a conversation with him, maybe I could have shared with him my experiences. Uh, you know, I went through a period of time when I wanted to die myself really badly. And I was doing everything in direction to expedite the process. I'm still here, and I have a new appreciation for life, you know, and the importance of being here, being here for the families. What is really saddening about the situation in Nova Scotia, I, I'll speculate a little bit here. I think that uh, Mr. Desmond was probably so hopeless and discouraged that he didn't see an option. You know, his own suicide would still leave his family vulnerable and without any support from the uh, agencies that should be helping us, whether it's D&D or Veterans Affairs Canada. And that's what we see now. You know, it's so disturbing, very so disturbing to hear you say that, you know, you you were you were feeling the feelings that you that you had to live with and were abandoned by the JPSU and the military. And I understand the, 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 the sense of family where you where you want, you know, you wanted you would have wanted to help the Nova Scotia family, and and there's that there is that sense of family in the military, and and it's 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 I, I, the word disturbing isn't sufficiently um, it doesn't do the job, but uh, Barry, I'm I just I just find it's I'm, you get heart sick when you hear what happens to members of our military uh, when when they're pushed out when they're pushed out so they can't get their pensions when they're pushed out because of health reasons then they're not taken care of and this has been going on for years well, could you, yeah, could you yeah, could... Roy, and, and, uh, to, to give you a right up to date example uh, you know I'd like to turn the phone over as I could to uh, to Alberta right now uh, to your next guest okay. okay absolutely hi hi how are you good how well how are you I'm uh, extremely nervous, so you got to bear with me, and uh, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> just, just tell us what, uh, what, what, what do we need to know about what happened to you? Mm. What do you want to share with us? <laughs> um, well, number one, uh, again, my thoughts go out to, to all our brothers and sisters and everyone that's affected by this tragedy, and it's, it's devastating. And... Um, Greg, I frickin' hear ya. And uh, me, well, I mean, we're just gonna, I'm just gonna discuss, I guess, the current crisis, I mean, that Barry touched on, on my housing. Um, uh, I had requested uh, an extension because due to uh, circumstances that, that had nothing to do with myself, I was unable to get mental health care for two and a half years. Um, now, luckily, for the past few months, I've been going to the OSI clinic, and, and we have a diagnosis of PTSD and, you know, meds, med consults and so on, so I'm getting help. But I had requested an extension so that my my release would not be right in the middle of me just, you know, possibly getting on new meds, getting help, getting, you know, just some help because I'm a mess and uh, well JPSU did not support that for one so um, yeah it was denied and during it was October of last year at the same time I had request for uh, additional six months in my PMQ just so that I have some some normalcy still to figure things out right and um, finally December 21st I got a decision and um, also was uh, made aware that the decision was no at first, but as Barry says, he put a little bit of pressure was put on somebody, and the decision was changed. 
They were going to give me this December 21st. My release date is January 25th. I've got no direction on a move on anything. And they were going to turn me down. They were going to turn you down on staying, on on maintaining your housing for just a period of time while you adjust to life. Not just life outside the military, but just adjust to life. Yeah, and it's also, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, it's somewhere in the regs that injured or ill members, injured or ill members, I mean, are given this this option, you know. So there was, and there was no reason. It was not justifiable in any way, shape, or form. So have they given you what? Just have they given you a number of months? Well, how long have they given you? Six months was my my request. Six months. And it has now been approved. Thank goodness. And that six months means, give you, you at least have an opportunity. Exactly, exactly, to adjust to being a civilian. I'm, I'm going from, my case is a little different. I've spent the past five years with the JPSU. That's why I said, where do you want me to begin? Because my case is uh, a little different. And, and yeah. Yeah. Barry, Barry, this isn't, I mean, it's not, it's not just Greg and our caller, uh, you know, our military, member of the military, the armed forces in, in Alberta. It, it, these stories, these cases are, are right across Canada. Oh, I could have, I could have give you a person from every province, from Newfoundland to Vancouver Island, all with, with similar stories that, that affected him personally in a tragic way, all with a unit that was meant to support them. And, you know, when I look at what's going on in Alberta, I mean, they're, they were going to kick this military family out injured in the middle of winter. You know, we have, we, have a, no we, we have a minute, and we're going to talk many times again, because we're going to follow up. But in that minute we have left... What do they have to do most fundamentally, Barry? What, what does the JPSU and what does the Canadian military and the Department of Veterans Affairs have to do most fundamentally right well, now? They've got all the answers, Roy. All they have to do is, uh, uh, I hate to say it, man up and get it done. It's, everything's ready to go. They have just got to pull the trigger to get the JPSU working right. It's all there, and it, it's a, an amazing unit. If they follow the original guidelines and, and the way it was drawn up, all this, all this doesn't have to happen. Okay. some training. Yeah. What we'll do is we're going to stay in touch, and we'll have you back. I'll have Greg back and our, and our military member from uh, Alberta and Barry. And thank you all three for your service to this country and for your dedication to Canada. You're the ones who, who, who are willing to sacrifice everything, and this country owes you. It's not the other way around. All right, take care, Roy. Thank, thank you, guys. All the best. Thank you for having us. We're, 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 going to stay in, we're going to stay in touch with, um, with Greg in B.C. and with our military member in, uh, in, in Alberta. I don't want to use her name because she's still in the, in the military. And, of course, Barry. We may have something for you tomorrow as well. Not sure yet. We'll come right back. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone. And for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.